This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day everybody, welcome to the show and greetings from the high seas. I'm currently on the 70,000 tons of metal cruise somewhere between continental United States just off the coast of Florida and Puerto Rico having a great time. And this chat, the one you've tuned in to hear, features Matt Wilcock, one of my favourite all-time guitarists. He's in Werewolves, Antichrist Imperium, Faustian, Abramelin. He was in uh, the Berserker and also Acre Cocker. And the catalyst for this chat is due to Shotgun Mistress. They've got a brand new single out, which you'll hear in the sec. And they've got a new album, The Can. That'll be released sometime later on in the year. But I wanted to get this chat out to you because Matt, being one of my favorite guitarists, there's always so many topics to discuss in addition to the bands. And the new release from Shotgun Mistress, we dive into topics related to extreme and heavy metal. Great to catch up with Matt. So here's the tune, Jude Judas from Shotgun Mistress. And once it's done, we'll dive into the discussion. Let's go.
how are you, mate? Man, how are you? Happy New Year and all of that sort of stuff to get things kicked off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another 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 year gone. I oh, know it doesn't much change, does it? You know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Wake up on January first and you think, oh well, just you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I went to the gym like at um. Actually, I had to go to work uh, quite early on the New Year's Day, which was a bit of a oh bit, shit. Yeah, only for a bit, but um. Yeah, so I went to the gym sort of straight after that, and I thought, you know, it's a start as you mean to go on. So, yeah, you got to do what you got to do to keep the, uh, you know, to keep the funds ticking into the bank account, haven't you, mate? That's the other thing. <laughs> Especially when you're a muser, yeah, no, that's it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look for you, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you know the years, the years are just a calendar thing for you. In so far as your approach to releases and playing music and the like, because you're just pumping them out. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to keep busy, man. You know, um, I'm sort of I'm a bit fortunate at the minute because um, I've got a bit of a backlog of stuff to be released or to sort of be recorded or to be finished. So, um, mm. yeah, I've got quite a lot of material that's either about to be released or various people are about to start recording their parts or just yeah. things like that. So, um, yeah, I've um sort of I'm ahead of schedule, you know, which is which is a good thing. It's nice to nice to have a whole lot of stuff in the pipeline and be ready to go. I've asked you the question before, and I know you've given me an answer to it, but very few people have your wellspring of creativity, you know, the ability to make means of the riffs that you've got within you and a lot of stuff just ends up on a cutting room floor somewhere. But with you it feels like as though you've got a very good pipeline between your creativity creativity and an outlet for it. Um, yeah, maybe it's, it's, I, I think I've got, there's a few things that I'm passionate about, be it death metal or black metal or mm. just sort of hard rock, I guess, and, you know, regarding shotgun and I'm pretty good at channeling whatever, whatever mood I'm in or whatever I set myself to do, I can sort of generally just do it and get a whole lot of stuff. Mm. Um, it's funny, even, even just yesterday or the day before yesterday, um, I was talking to Dave just about, about the new werewolf stuff. And, mm. um, and, uh, so he, we, we've got an album, we've got an, another album written and he's mm. going to go in at some point in the first half of this year to record the drums for it. And, um, he's got all the demos, all the clicks and guys, and all that sort of shit. And, um, he said to me, He's like, oh, one one of the songs, uh, it's it's cool, but it's a bit more suited to uh, Faustian, which is the black metal thing that we're doing. Yeah. And um, he's like, I'll record it, but I reckon that song, this one particular werewolf song, should have been. We should use it for Faustian. And I said, yeah, cool, man. I'll just, you know, that's that's fine. I'll just write another one. So, um, yeah, like a day or two ago, I just sort of sat down and thought, oh, I've got to write another werewolf song, you know. So um, yeah, it took two days. To, I, th- I think it's been a while since I've necessarily written anything, so it, mm. it took a little bit just to get those juices sort of flowing. But um, it's the same old story. Once once there's just one idea, once one thing happens, yeah, bang, the rest just comes. So it's like I sit there for you know five, ten, fifteen minutes, and if I can get one good riff, then the rest just falls into place. I bet so, it does. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I bet it does. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you already mentioned Faustian there. Look, both both of that album and the uh, so we come as angels is the name of the album you released toward the end of two thousand and twenty three, mm. and my enemies look and sound like me. They're both I did a I did a top ten without actually doing it in order, but they both made that. I put them sort of in there equally because I figure they're both coming from your your high huh. of creativity. So, you know, but how do you when when you're writing a riff? Are they when I say they're just riffs? Of course, they're roll goal. They're coming from your your imagination. But at what point do you know to your to Dave's point? At what point do you know? Ah, this one's going to go in this direction. That one's going to go in that direction. Um. Well, Faustian was that was a very deliberate. Um, that was a deliberate sort of move that we made. So we we wrote those songs. Um, I was talking to Dave like it's it's a couple of years ago now that we wrote that album. And um, I, don't, I don't exactly know how we came up with it, but we had this bright idea to just make a black metal album. Um, both of us, you know, despite him, obviously Psychroptics his thing and we've got werewolves and abundance of other things. But, um, you know, we're both pretty passionate about black metal. It's like, oh, let's make a black metal band or at least make an album. So I... Um, that was a that that Faustian album was a very deliberate sort of like approach. It was like this is you know it's a black metal album, so it's mm-hmm. got all those typical tropes, everything that you can imagine that is black metal. That's what we did, and we went for production wise as well. We went for a very different approach to Werewolves. Like it's um it's a lot rawer, a bit nastier. Um, it's just a bit more oh, a bit more horrible really, and um, so that there was no question that. All of that material was definitely not for werewolves, mm. but um, just yeah, I guess just in this sort of demo stage of this album that we're going to start recording this year, um, one of them just turned out a little bit more geared in that direction. Really, um, we sort of try with werewolves. We try and do a ballad per album. And when I say a ballad, I just mean a fucking slow song, mm. not something that's <laughs> you know two hundred fifty BPM the whole way through. Yeah, so. The quote unquote ballad, instead of being necessarily slow, it just turned into a bit more of a black metal thing. So, yeah, in in response to that, we just thought, oh, well, we use that for the other the other album and we'll write something else. But yeah, like as far as creativity goes, it was just sat down. It's been a while. I haven't written anything for I don't know, probably probably a year, maybe. It's got such a backlog of stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it took a little while to get it all happening. But, yeah, once that initial sort of, once you break the seal, then it all happens. So. Yeah, you're doing what? You're doing what you're meant to be doing with your life in that regard, I think, because some people can sit there all day and try to write a song or all year or what have you, but you just seem to have this, it's like a tap. And, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, or a tanker, you know, like we've got these tanks, you know, here around us, you know, and rains and they fill up with water and you know that's sort of like an analogy i can use for your creativity that uh, it gets filled up and then you turn on the tap and out these riffs come yeah maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah what's um let's talk about shotgun mistress then now um you sent me the album quite some time ago so i've been listening to it a fair bit and um look i like everything you do but if i had to pick a favorite you know shotgun mistress is my is probably would have to be it i'd say i was so taken with that day but well you did and um and what the guys came up with it's just got there's just something about metal a metal guitarist who knows how to write rock music 
<laughs> just special. And there's just not enough of it. There's plenty of the other way around, but mm. a, a full-on metal guitarist who really understands what makes heavy metal heavy metal, extreme metal, probably more to the point like you do, turning their hand to riff rock like what you do, and it's it's tight, it's hard. You've basically taken what I think at his very best Mick Mars would do, and you've just added a lot more high octane to it. Okay, oh. with a much better band than what Motley Crue could ever be around you, to be quite frank. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> save the hate mail, dickheads. Don't worry. <laughs> all the all the blabbermouth fanboys out there, or whatever it might be. But uh, but look, a fact's a fact, as far as I'm concerned, and that's how I see things. But with this oh. album here, Kings of Revolution, I'm not prepared to say it's necessarily better than the debut because the de debut made such an impression. But I will say one thing now: I feel like as though it's harder and faster would you agree with that yeah um it it seems to have turned out a little bit more uh a bit more heavy metal than the first one did um mm. with the first one i sort of made a bit of an effort with everything that i wrote for it i made quite an effort to sort of be be different to what i've done before so i i tried to make a rock album um with this one I was a little bit like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to sort of necessarily try and mask what I am or what I do. I'm just going to write songs that I like. Um, not that I, it's not, it's not to say that I don't like the first album, but, you know, even from the most, like the most basic sort of building blocks of the first album, there's riffs on that album that I wouldn't write, that I wouldn't put on an album now. It's just, um, it's a. It was maybe a little bit not necessarily me, and I'm. I guess I'm, I'm quite. A, I'm quite into the idea of doing something that's true to yourself. Hmm. So I don't want to. I don't want to play music that it doesn't mean something to me, or it isn't sort of authentic to what I'll do. So perhaps the this second album. Um, the parts that I've written for it, at least, are um, maybe a little bit more closer to what I actually am. Um, mm. I know the production; the production's definitely turned out sort of heavier and bigger than we thought. That well, than I thought it would, which is um, which is pretty cool. I'm glad that it's different to the first one. Um, it might also be I, I, I use quite a bit. I use a different sort of uh, I use a different setup. For, um, guitars and what I did for the first one. Uh, in a nutshell, the first one I used Marshalls, mm. and uh, the second one I used Fifty One Fifty, which is what I use. And uh -huh. I'm like, what's the fucking point of you know? I might as well be who I am. So it's a heavier guitar sound for one, and um, also that we got um, what else was it? Yeah, so Sam, who mixed the first one, he mixed this one as well. Okay. But we got. Um, this time around, we got it mastered by uh, Joe from Psychoptic, and um, so Dave's he, brother for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he does almost all audio stuff that that I write or release. He's involved in some way or another. Mm -hmm. um, he's he's really talented in fucking everything he does. So yeah, he mastered it. So it really kind of slams. You know, it's it's a really powerful sort of yeah release. But um. Yeah, it's it's just um I think the songs are I think the songs 
and the album in general are probably stronger and probably harder than the first album. Um, I guess we're settling into ourselves a bit more as a band, sort of finding what we enjoy doing as opposed to just throwing a whole lot of songs in the mix. Uh, it's a bit more of a combined effort. The first one I pretty much wrote probably 90% of the riffs, um, whereas this time around um, Ben, who plays bass, he he contributed quite a bit. So there's a lot more of our combined songwriting, which is really cool. It's um, There's a couple of songs where, well, there's at least three that he has written sort of in their entirety, but I might have added in the bridge section or just sort of done my own thing a little bit more so with the guitar parts than what he originally had. Mm. And it's, um, it's a lot more satis- satisfying, you know. If um, for it to be sort of more of a combined effort, it's, it's a bit more rewarding in the end, I think, because for a long time, like, I've just written all the music that I do. I don't really sort of shared much stuff with people like maybe in other bands someone else has written a song or i've written this song it doesn't necessarily been too much yeah. where it's an amalgamation of the two of us so um and that's you know that's not a good or bad thing it's just the way it is but um yeah it's, it's good that there's a bit more of a team effort maybe with this with this shotgun album um everyone's really happy with it um it's it's a weird one because it sits in I, I I don't entirely it's it's weird because it's kind of like we don't exactly fit in that metal crowd, even though the album's pretty sounds pretty hefty. Mm. But we certainly don't fit in the sort of uh commercially rocky, poppy sort of fucking world either, mm. because it's too heavy. So it's it's a weird one, but I think it's like I think it's good. I think it's a good combination of like you know, real singing for once, and uh, like he's great. Glenn's a great singer, and yeah. the parts, all his vocal lines and melodies are fucking fantastic. So it's um, yeah, it's good, but we're all pretty happy with it. It's turned out really well. It has, man. It's you're all to be congratulated on it, and it, uh, I think I've mentioned this to you in the past, but I've got to mention it anyway as another point, which is that. <laughs> You're a, I've seen you guys live, as you know, and you're an extremely tight live band. Um, it's it's always what you what I look for, and I think a lot of people, fans, musicians, especially, are like this. You want to hear the songs added, a new dimension added to the songs, and you def, you guys definitely do that. And I, I believe what you've done is, from what I heard when I watched you guys live, you've even up the ante further on this recording again. So I can't wait to see you guys live again based on like what you're talking about. You're using the gear that you want to use. This is a more authentic version of what you guys are. Mm. So when you guys come up here, because I know you're coming up here for Glamfest, and I'm certainly going to that one there. Nice. You're, you're way more than hold your own against the other bands that are on that bill. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's a weird one, playing a Glamfest, you know. <laughs> I know I hate that name to be honest with you. It's a, they've got to call it something ridiculous, haven't they? But yeah, that's cool though. You know, like it's um, I'm very happy to be playing it. You know, but it's just um, it did make me chuckle a little bit. The name, it's like, but it's not really glam, is it? I mean, you're not glam, and most I don't. Uh, but I mean, you know, all, all of glam. All I never the real thought bands, of quote unquote. Uh, I mean, what is there? Slaughter uh, is yeah, the Slaughter and Lynchbob are the main ones. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, eighties, eighties rock sort of thing, I guess. 
But um, it's cool. It'll be interesting. I think the tickets are selling quite well, so yeah, it should be good. Well, Silverback put it on, and they've got a good good track record with this sort of thing. There's there's a yeah. lot as, as you've seen. There's a lot of this stuff that gets booked and bends. That the, like the one that Winger Kip Winger was supposed to be at that that then sort of disappear, and God knows what the hell happens with that stuff there. So, yeah. um, you know, and it's nice to see Jungle Rotter coming back as well, um, as well with Rotting Christ as well. I should be down in Melbourne for that show because I didn't want to. Okay. I wasn't sure if they were coming up here or not because when's that? Um, oh God, I couldn't tell you now. I'd have to look it up. But the same thing happened with Incantation. I, I mentioned to John that, that I had to. There's no other option except for me to fly down to Melbourne or Sydney, and I'll always pick Melbourne. Mm. Um, it's just a more interesting place to go with better food, to be honest with you. And and I know a few more people down there these days. So, um, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's great that you're on that one there. I think whoever booked that one did their homework actually. When I looked at you guys and a few of the other bands that were on, so did did uh, whoever runs Silverback did they reach out to you for that, or can you tell me how that gig came about? Um, I think I think we've been pestering them for a while to get on some shows or to do some supports or something, and um, yeah, finally they were like, "Oh, cool, you can you know get you on this." So yeah, a, a bit of a bit of pestering, a bit of hassling, and um, yeah, they've uh, put us on the bill, so that's good. Yeah, so it's a good incentive to you know for us to really sort of hammer it because if we you know, obviously we want to we want to play a good show and um, we should, but um, yeah, it's nice to nice to be sort of given given a bit of an opportunity to play it because it's yeah. um, like I say it's a good one you know a lot of good bands so should be cool. Yeah, I'm just checked in now, just in answer to your question about the Rotting Christ and uh, jung- Jungle Rock gig, which uh, Dave will be at actually with King. Uh, oh, that's cool. uh, that's Melbourne Death Fest, and that day is Saturday, fourth of May. So there you go. Yeah, I um, did. I did know that actually. Cool. It looks like a good one, but mate, you just we just can't rely on. Apparently, Brisbane is a shocking sell these days. You know, bands that aren't aren't doing that well when they come up here. So I, I Jesus, it looks like I'd be travelling a lot more down to Melbourne if this if it, the trend continues at least. Anyway. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, it's a bit weird, like this year as well. Like especially like wood metal anyway, because there's there's so much on. There's so many tours and shows and everything. And to be honest, you know, I don't know if people just what's going on in the fucking world and all the country primarily. Um, I just don't know if people have got the money to just keep going to all the shows and stuff. You know, it's like if you've got tickets. To, I mean, I know Suffocation are coming out, and it's like, well, you've got Suffocation and. But Rotting Christ, and you've got um, Obituary this week, or yeah, exactly. I'm not sure, you know, when this is when this is airing, but yeah, Obituary at the moment, and yeah. um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff. Not to mention Not Fest, and obviously everyone's going to go, everyone's going to want to go and see Pantera, and I'm sure those tickets aren't cheap. So, mm. so much, so many shows, and so much stuff happening all in the in the coming months. Yeah, I just spoke to Chris Broderick just just a couple of hours ago, actually, and uh, they're down here with. Uh, well, he's in In Flames these days of all bands. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're down here with in, with Creator in uh, February. So to your point, mate, like, do you remember when we were kids? Like, there'd be like one tour a year. Like Sepultura would come out one year, and then Pantera would come out the next year, or Megadeth or whatever. That was it. That's all we got. Yeah. I remember show. well. <laughs> I also remember that when I um when I left. Australia to go to the UK. Mm. It seemed that that year that I had left, that's when all the death metal bands came to Oz. 
And I was like, oh, great. I'll fucking leave the country. And everyone finally comes here. Because I hadn't seen um, I hadn't seen Morbid Angel when I was living here. Uh, you know, when I, when I growing up, I never saw Morbid yep. Angel. I think I was too young when they first came out or something. Yeah, same, yeah. Yeah, but it's um yeah, there was a period like you know, I remember seeing Pantera and Slayer and Cannibal Corpse, and I don't know if they were in the same years or whatever, but um it was an event. You know, it wasn't as if there's something each, it's not as if there's one each month to go and see. Mm. It was like, well, this year it's like this is happening. Or I think maybe, like, it's a long time ago, but I reckon I saw Slayer and Cannibal in the same year. Yeah, 95, um, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's all guns blazing now. There's constantly things happening. So, you know, and life ain't cheap. So there's only so many tickets or festivals you can go to. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But it but it alludes to something else. And and look the the release strategy for these things, can can you talk about well, what can you talk about with regards to the delay and the release with the shotgun album? Um, so it took us a long time to do it. Um I think there's, there's nothing particularly untowards or strange about that. It just it just took time, you know. That uh, the drums took the drums were done like God only over a year ago, mm. and um, well, I don't, I don't even know now. But yeah, it just took a bit of time to record guitars, and I know the bass took a little while simply because logistically, because Ben lives far away, and just rehearsals were a bit difficult at the time. Yeah. Um. And then just the usual sort of thing with mix, the, the mix, it's just like, oh, I change this up, this, down, that, and then a bit of in-band sort of, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't call it arguing, but I'd just say sort of assertive conversations about whether this should have a, you know, a solo or whether this should be singing here or, you know, just arrangement ideas. Hmm. Um, and then and then we uh, we. F- Gave it to, um, well, we sent it to Golden Robot or Crusader, as we sort of were on. And um, basically, they didn't reply to us for months. (laughs) So, you know, I think looking at the, uh, so we're we're releasing it independently. And um, after having sent it to them and waiting for like a month and not hearing anything back, uh, I think contractually uh we were able to do what we wanted after that so after not hearing any sort of yes or no or sounds great or sounds shit or anything mm. we're like oh fuck it then we'll um release it on our own so that in turn has uh taken a little bit of sort of planning and work to figure out what and how and who and scheduling everything um we've got it's a bit between the first single release and the album release it's a bit of time which is um uh, it's sort of just the way the cookie crumbles i guess but um yeah i guess just a whole lot, there was there was a whole lot of waiting and then trying to figure out what we're going to do we shopped it around to a, a couple of other labels um we got we got a couple of sort of snippets of interest but it wasn't particularly from anyone that we wanted to go with. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, after a bit of tossing and turning, we thought, you know what, let's um, let's just release it ourselves. You know? Yeah, it's always best, yeah. Yeah, that way we're in charge of it. We know what's happening. Um, we can make sure that we're selling, in, you know, vinyl, CD, streaming, whatever, wherever, however we want. So, yeah, that's how that sort of worked out. Um, a bit weird. It's a bit strange to not really hear anything from um, the label for such a long time. Uh, you know, the label that did the first one, but you know, in hindsight, I think it's uh, it's for the best for us. So it's good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so you're doing the Bandcamp thing, and you got you, to your point there. So you got CD, vinyl, and you're doing cassette as well. That sort of thing. You're going uh, down that route? No, no, no. Just um, just vinyl and CD. Uh, it's it. You know, we obviously want to do vinyl. Um, label never wanted to. Um, it's uh, the the rock world. I'm not, sure, I'm not entirely. Sure. I know that vinyl and say physical in general in metal is a really big thing. Um, and it's sort of yet to see what. I mean, vinyl. We've done we've done all right on the amount of shows that we did over mm. the course of the first album. We sold quite a lot of um, quite a lot of albums, and. Um, I guess this time around, like we've got, we've had pre-sales up and they're doing all right. So as long as they keep ticking over and then we just keep playing shows, I think we'll we'll move a bit of stuff and yeah, you know, take the next step. Hopefully, yeah. Do you know if you'll have vinyl for sale at the Death Fest or oh sorry, Glam Fest? Sorry, Death Fest. Oh, nah, no, not yet because it's um, I don't think the release is till June. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, it's quite. Yeah. It's quite a while off, but I think because there's a there's there's a number of um, clips, film clips, and singles, and that sort of thing coming out sporadically leading up to that. So, yeah, it's a bit longer than I would have liked, but again, that's just sort of how things how things work in this this world, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I'm not really okay with. <laughs> so you got you got Jude Judas, which is almost out, isn't it? It's coming out at the end of this month, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You got a snippet of that on Instagram and on socials and stuff at the moment. Yeah, 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 but that'll be available for people then. And um, look, I, I'd say that that's a great song, and it's definitely emblematic of what the record, rest of the record, sounds like. But there are some, there's a lot of other highlights right the way across it. But I think, nice. I, well, the people, I think you'll you'll do a great job at Glamfest. It just depends on how many people are there and how and and if they're paying attention or not is the other thing. Because you know how it is when you go to festivals, sometimes they can, not knowing a band, it's not even about you guys. It's just sometimes they use that as the opportunity to go into the beer garden as opposed to stick around and watch what's going on. Yeah, well, especially if it's a long day, you know. I think and I think it is probably going to wind up being a fairly long sort of day. So, yeah. but, you know, we'll, we'll just do our thing and hopefully, hopefully it goes down well. Did you notice after you did the... Um, uh, what was the name of the band? The Canadian band. Oh, oh, we we caught up. Jesus, yeah, we oh, did. Um, Aspar. Aspar. God, would never have got it. <laughs> but Aspar, <laughs> did you did you notice a bit of a a, a uh, increase in your your online presence and sales after that? Um, I'm not sure about sales. Um, streaming numbers might go up a touch. I mean, the thing with that is like, I mean, that's those shows like um, those Aspar shows. Um, so we did five. I think we did Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne, Adelaide. And more so than streaming numbers or online presence or any of that sort of shit, um, we sold a fucking shitload of merch. Nice. Probably the most merch that we've sold 
in any sort of stint. Like we did all right with Mayhem like earlier in the year. Mm. But um, yeah, but those those shows were fucking great. Like I was just sort of quite amazed like how much stuff we actually moved. Um, I think maybe that might have been due to the fact that we had uh, four albums available on the night, whereas uh, our and Ingested didn't have any albums. They are only selling T-shirts and long sleeves and all that sort of shit, probably just due to the fact that they had flown, you know, you can't be taking uh, 200 records on a plane or shipping them over. It, it's all yeah. a little bit... It's a lot easier for the international band to just have T-shirts. You know, they get they can get printed here. It's cost effective, blah blah blah. So we sold a lot of stuff and um, probably sold a lot of albums because we were the only act that was selling records and stuff on the night. Yeah, and um, yeah, but we did we did really well with T-shirts and everything as well. But I think you know I think like all those shows are pretty much sold out. So it's like. I just think the fucking heavy metal fans are into having a souvenir from the show, you know, Great. and it's just kind of it's kind of cool that us as the opening band still, you know, people still have a bit of interest, you know, because obviously everyone's there to see Archspire primarily and then ingested as well. And then, you know, you've just got us that are sort of that are opening the show. But you know, we did we did really well. So sales, online sales and all that sort of shit, I don't know. But merch sales on the nights were fucking through the roof for us, which is pretty fucking amazing. So, yeah, it was good success on that front. What I noticed too, just in the, you know, I don't, I don't know how long we were catching up for, but it certainly wasn't all night. You know, it might have been half an hour to an hour or something like that. Hmm. I mean, you had one bloke come up to you and ask for your autograph on the on the record. You had <laughs> two or three other blokes just say, man, I just want to thank you for the great show. I think I saw Dave being, you know, accosted by a bunch of people too when he was trying to walk walk back to us. Why I didn't walk up to him and say g'day because I think he'd already been punished enough. But <laughs> but that's, that's what I noticed too. So the key, and you know this, the key to heavy metal and extreme metal is to be out and about and being in amongst the people who are actually buying the stuff, interface. I call yeah. it actual the actual primal interface and actually doing that. And it also helps too that you're a fucking awesome live band. It's just it's brutal, but like I've said many times here, I can actually hear what you're doing. And oh. that's that's an art form with extreme metal because there's a lot of stuff that just sounds like, you know, portal is one thing. And I guess that that I, I understand that's their thing. Okay. But there are other bands where it's just white noise. And there's a lot of that shit out there. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I get it. You want to be more evil than thou and all the rest of it and you want to be blindingly fast and all the rest of it, but this shit wears thin after like, you know, 15 minutes or something. But what I notice with you guys is that you can actually have you on in the car too, which a lot of extreme metal you can't do because you're competing with the road noise from the tyres and all of the other associated traffic noise and all the rest of it. So it's certainly not melodic, but it's listenable, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that's sort of, well, there's probably two things with that. It's um, A, well, maybe three. One is that it's just one guitarist, yeah. so it's a lot easier for me to just be airtight with myself. Um, two is um, we, we've got a bit of a formula with um, the songwriting, like that band is entirely not about being clever. So there's no overly tricky riffs. There's nothing that's too fiddly that's going to get lost in the mix. 
It's all pretty straight down the line. And the final piece of that puzzle is the fact that, um, again, Joe, Joe Ailey is mixing everything, but yeah. he mixes the masters at all. And, you know, fucking quite often it's almost as if maybe there's a bit too much clarity with it. It's like, uh, sounds amazing, but perhaps it might be more suited. I can hear everything. <laughs> if we were a little bit like, it might yeah. be more appropriate. But, um, yeah, just... You know, songwriting is sort of key with that band, even though it's just fucking caveman fucking noise. It's still very much about the song. So we'll, you know, the the one that we've got an album coming out this year, which is um, we just finished the mix for uh, maybe December. I think we finished it, and then we just we've just got all the art. The label's got it now, and it's due for release this year at some point. Mm. But um, yeah, there was a fair bit of. Yeah, we went. Through, well, me and Sam particularly went through a bit of that. We're like, oh, we've got to, we've got to really hone these songs down, like trim the fat, you know, keep them, keep them simple. Like there was a couple of moments where it's a bit like we'd have a song that's, um, you know, almost moving into injustice for all sort of territory. So well, this doesn't need to be five minutes long, you know. If 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 it's going to just blast the whole time and be mental, we've let's try and get it down to the sub four minute mark so people don't just get overwhelmed by the fucking noise yeah so yeah trim the fat keep it sort of neat and tidy arrangement wise i guess and um yeah production as well it all sort of adds up and yeah that's you know i guess that's where the clarity sort of comes in maybe yeah. Well, you've got Antichrist Imperium for that aspect of your writing as well. That's certainly the way that I, being familiar with all of you, your your outlets, Antichrist Imperium is very much about light compared to shade and dark. Mm. I'll, I'll describe it. So, have you have you got something else on the horizon for that band as well? Uh, not the moment. Um, the last one was a real. The last one was quite difficult to write and to finish, and. Um, yeah, it's just like it, it was hard work. Turned out amazing. Like we, it was a good album, but um, at the moment, there's just there's just I would even haven't even really thought about trying to do that. And I know that Dave and Sam from um, from Antichrist and also Akoka, they're both playing in um, Anilnathrak now. Yeah, so they're pretty, they're pretty tied up with. A bunch of shows and a bunch of rehearsals and all that sort of shit this year. So, yeah, Antichrist is on the back burner for the minute. I just, I just don't have it in me to try and top the last album. <laughs> That's understandable, God, with everything else going on. And um, look, I'll let it this bit out if you want or what have you. But can you talk about what's going on with the Bramelin as well? Um, yeah. So, uh, Bramelin album is. It's pretty much recorded and it's pretty much mixed. We've got we've got we've got another vocal session just of sort of fine tuning. Maybe maybe he's going to double a few parts or you know add a few extra screams and grunts and growls and shit in there. But um, yeah, again we've we've done that. So um, that's turned out. It's it's it sounds fucking it's fucking so heavy. It's amazing. It's really good. Um, again, Joe's mixing it, um, just sounds fucking monstrous, which is really cool. Um, me and, me and Dave have been listening to it a lot just to sort of, 
have, having to think about it and stuff and how how it sounds and whether the, the songs are sort of cool and like we're both you know on the messages to each other and stuff like you know, it sounds sounds monstrous nice yeah so that's um that's really exciting um i know that the cover art is is being done um well at least that several versions of cover art have been done and mm. we'll up using one that's um you know <laughs> that's not going to cause too much offence. <laughs> That's what that band's all about, though, isn't it? Uh, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was somewhat to our detriment last time. But, um, yeah, there's, the, the, the covers of the, the artwork's done and the artwork's fucking incredible as well. It's turned out really well. So I'd like to sort of say that it's going to be released. Um, oh, I'd like to hope that it will be released in the first half of this year. But again, that sort of comes down to like labels and schedules and all that sort of shit. But um, as far as the mix and the mastering goes, I would imagine that it'll be done, finished, line in the sand um, by the end of January. Yeah, well, I hope you guys too are on the back of that too. I hope there's some shows that you can work on with Dicey. Yeah, yeah we've, got a, we've got a plan happening for it. So... Um, Fingers crossed, things fall into place, and um, yeah, we can make make it work. That's a sweet spot for you guys. That were like you and Dave in particular. I'm talking about like going and doing these supports to the arch spires and the obituaries of the world. That's uh, with Dicey. Like it's just it almost seems like if you guys aren't on the bill, it's a bit of a disappointment at this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, across all of your bands, I'm talking about. You've got so many opportunities in which you can do that. Yeah, well, I think um, I think the the only thing that really matters is that any of these opportunities that arise, they're appropriate. Because if it's not appropriate, then it's fucking terrible. Like the last thing on earth that I'd want to do is um, be playing on a bill that's not right. You know, like there's you know there's there's plenty of like sludge metal bands or there's plenty of black metal bands or fucking thrash bands that should be out with a thrash fucking headliner or whatever. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, there, there is different things like, yeah, I think the Archspy one, for example, like, you know, Dave, Dave and Psycho, they've toured with them. So there was a personal connection with that. Mm. And, um, you know, like we're not, too, I mean, we are different, but we're not too far removed from the ingested sort of sound. So there was an appropriate sort of bunch of shows. But, um, yeah, it is, it is it's great to be able to do them. But, um, yeah, the last thing on the earth, last thing on earth I want to do would be sort of oversaturate the market with things that shouldn't really be there for at a certain sort of situation, you know. Oh no, I'm hearing you. I guess I'm biased, though. I enjoy what you guys do, and I think I think a lot, a lot of a lot of the veteran music metal fans like me, guys like me, and well into their forties and fifties and stuff. You know, at a certain point, when the smoke and mirrors get removed, it's we don't care about face makeup and all the berserker stuff anymore. The berserker makeup I'm talking about, mm-hmm. all the rest. Of it. You just want to hear grinding brutality played by musicians who really know what they're doing, and it doesn't really matter the vibe. It's just you want to see that approach to it that I've, I've long called your approach a precision approach. Once mm-hmm. you get that, it's very hard to sort of step down and hear those bands that have, you know, the the doomy, sludgy shit that I, that I sort of alluded to. And I, I, where was it? Which gig was I at? But, you know, Ian Redman, I was talking to him and um, 
he ended up having to mix one. Who was it? It was before I am Morbage. That's right. And uh, he wasn't throwing me under the bus at all. But I said, how'd you go, you know, with that band? He goes, yeah, it was tough, man. I mean, this thing was just, it sounded like all bass. And it's not Ian. It's just the way the band is approaching everything because of the way that they've got their various tones set and and the type of music that they're playing. But there's just no dynamic in it. And I'm not even throwing him under the bus. I'm just saying that, like, they're going for a particular vibe and it's not a precision vibe. It's more of a doomy, smoke-filled room sort of a vibe. And I, I honestly feel like a lot of people can take that stuff for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then that's it. As an audience, we're done. Yeah, I, th- I think I think most things you can probably only deal with for so long. Like I, I can't imagine. I don't think I'd like to watch a band like Werewolves for any more than thirty or forty minutes. I think any more than that's probably start to grate on you a little bit. Mm. But um, you know, I mean, I, I remember the first time I saw Judas Priest um, it was at the Palace in um, Melbourne. It was with fucking Riffer Owens, actually. Yeah, I remember that demolition. Yeah. But their their show went for like fucking, I don't know how long it went for. They played so many songs. And after a while, as much as I love Priest, it's like, you know what? I think I've probably had enough now. Mm. I don't need to stand here anymore. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. But, uh, you know, any like doomy, sludgy stuff or whatever, you know, there's a vibe to that. And you know, maybe from from the sound guy's perspective, it's um, it's a bit harder to wrangle maybe that uncontrolled sort of chaotic sound. But there's a vibe, and you know, but you know what they're doing? They're so predictable. Like you hear this, it's like, doom, Dennis, doom, 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 doom. and you're like, oh, pl- don't, just stop, please. I know, uh, no. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they do that for five minutes, and then eventually there's a, you know, like that do, yeah. do me vocal thing, and it's like, guys, come on, we literally every bit, like you can go to, you know, the venue here, King Lear's Throne or whatever. I, I haven't been into it, so I shouldn't even say that, but I imagine they're the sort of bands that play there and get around town and stuff. It's like, um, yeah, I, I just think it's had its moment that stuff, to be honest. And a lot of the bands on Sentient Ruin label, they do that really well. So they're pulling bands, pulling bands from around the world and do it. So when you see local yokels doing it and uh, look, more power to them, honestly, more power to them when they're doing it. But yeah, as a, as a seasoned fan, as a listener, and I made this point with Chris Broderick before, you know, you just, you just want to see bands who are sort of upping the ante a little bit. Yeah. You know? And, and to, to your point too, I'll make this point quickly, you know, um, yeah, too much of a good a good thing can be way too much. And I agree with you about werewolves. You know, 40 minutes would probably be about the limit. But, mate, Extreme played for two hours or something and it was too much. Yeah. You know, they played with Living Colour, mate. And I can tell you fucking, I don't know how much finger tapping you can take, man, but, Jesus, there was way too much from Nuno on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it just happens. And you just think, you just go, Paul McCartney, of all people, was the absolute worst because he played for over three hours. Yeah, like that. It's too much. Oh, it was torture by about the hour and a half mark because my mother-in-law's into into him and I'm like, going, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. <laughs> I think, um, you know, like there's also a lot to be said about um, maybe, I don't know if it's fucking stagecraft is the right word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think Archfire are fucking masters of that. So uh, that band or that front man has got so much charisma on stage. You know, like he's talking shit and telling jokes about each other. And I mean, uh, you know, whether you're into that sort of on stage sort of banter or not, I don't know. 
but their music is so full on that like that sort of that dead stop and then some fucking silly joke or some comment that he makes is almost yeah. like a little bit of a reprieve from the fucking chaos that you've just witnessed. Yeah. Like, sort of machine gun, like fucking insanity. But then, you know, to for him to sort of, I don't know, they, they were doing stupid things like getting people up on stage to fucking shotgun beers or whatever it was they were doing, mm. you know, it's all very amusing. And then all of a sudden, bang, it starts again, another three minutes of fucking insanity music-wise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 all in how it's delivered and whether whether you're into it and stuff, I guess. Yeah, you got to be into that stuff. I'm not into uh, Archbire at all. I've got to say, I reckon I took about half an hour of it before I had to leave, um, and I was I was legitimately shocked by how popular they were. That line for that night stretched. I've never. It's probably happened before. I'm just saying, I've never seen it personally before. Went around the block. Yeah, that wow. line for 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 you guys and for um for Archspire and ingested it was and it was that was there were some pretty normal looking people and you know like you wouldn't see them at metal shows yeah. normally at that gig and that's I thought have they crossed over and picked up some of the Triple J crowd or the the <laughs> four Triple Z crowd or something like that have they because I, I there were some people in there that I would you know you see the sort of same faces constantly when you go to some of these gigs you know and the same yeah. t-shirts and stuff and there were people in there in some pretty regular looking clothes so they must have crossed over at some point but fucking hell mate for me yeah i respect enormously what they do it's not about that it's just that you know do you want to have curry tonight sort of thing and the answer is no <laughs> you know yeah no, it's, it's, i mean it's amazing to see like so many people at a like a fucking Death metal show in Brisbane on a, I think it was a Wednesday as well, you know? Right. Yeah. Like fucking, the people are there. It's just a matter of getting them out. I, I know. I sort of said to, I caught up with Dicey that night. I said, my fucking God. Like, I had to ask, I said, how do you know these things are going to be successful or what have you? And Mayhem and Satyricon and, you know, the leading lights, I totally understand, you know? Hmm. People who dust off their battle jackets from 1998 for that stuff, but um, there's more recent and modern bands, so the post millennium bands that have sort of built up their rep around metalcore and stuff. I'm not saying they have, but yeah. you know, they can't they'll get a lot of those same fans, is what I'm saying. Because I see the t shirts, you know, you see the deathcore job for a cowboy t shirts and shit, and uh, that's not really my generation, if you know what I'm saying. So, um, you see that, and he, he mentioned a couple of things that I thought, fuck, isn't that interesting? You know, but who would have picked it? It was Wednesday night in Brisbane, which is not really known for putting on a, a good turnout for these shows. There's great shows that are coming through town. I've been through plenty where it feels like there's less than 100 people. Hmm. Um, but I suppose timing meets opportunity meets the type of band, and there you go. Yeah, I think also the, the Soundworks dudes, they, they're pretty sort of in tune with what's going on in the world musically. Like they they know, you know, they know the bands that are going to do okay and the ones that are going to do better and they wrangle things and they've they got a pretty good idea about how things are going to go, I think, you know. Yeah. In tune with what's going on in the world musically, I guess, is the best way to put it. So, Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing you. Yeah. So next stop is Glamfest up here, mate. That's uh when I look forward to catching up with you next, I suppose. That's it, isn't it? Unless you've got another gig up here between now and then. Um, no, that's the next one. Yeah, so that's Melbourne on uh February the sixteenth, I think. Um Brisbane on Saturday the seventeenth of February, mm. and Sydney on the Sunday. 
so yeah, it should be good. Um, yeah, it'd be be, be be busy, be hectic. Like I said, I think the tickets have sold quite well so far. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, we're looking forward to playing a few new songs. We've been sort of doing the same set for for um, well, I guess for the last twelve months or so now. Like mm. um, I guess since you saw us, which is God, it must be. It's a while ago, but um, two years ago, yeah. I think God, it's gone yeah. by if it has, you know, a year and a half ago at least. Yeah, yeah, I think I think a year and a half. But um, yeah, we've had we've we've added a couple of new songs, but um, as of now, we're pretty much with the new album sort of happening. We've um, yeah, we've got a few extra songs that we're putting in the set, so it's all quite exciting. Looking forward to getting out there and playing. Well, there you have it. Another conversation with the great Matt Wilcock from Shotgun Mistress and many other bands. Always enjoy catching up with him, as I shall also do when I attend Glamfest. That's the show that features the great George Lynch, as well as Slaughter, in addition to Shotgun Mistress and many other groups. I'll put the dates and a link to tickets in the episode description. All right, so that's it from me. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. There's some information that I want to share with you about my book. It's a couple of years old now, but well worth investigating. You can download an e-copy or you can order physical print on demand. Some more information to share with you about that book and the sec button. Until next time, it's a goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. 
percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldina. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book. <laughs>